welcome to the Goalie Hacks podcast, the show dedicated to providing elite tips, hacks, and strategies to take your game to the next level, where we help you become an elite goaltender, one hack at a time. And now, here's your host, Mike Santaguida. All right, bang, bang, and welcome back to the show and my wonderful, you know, Goalie Hacks community members. How y'all doing? We just broke a monthly download record, by the way, surpassing... Uh, All-time 22.5K downloads, over 23 almost now, actually. But racking up 2,356 downloads in the month of January. And I just can't say, you know, thank you enough. Just thank you so much, guys. Um, you know, I always like to say how grateful I am. But just, um, you know, just like to to express my gratitude to, to my community and everyone that tunes in and, and shares or engages with my podcast content at all. You know, thank you so much, guys. Here's to another 25K downloads. And uh, only one month, one month away from our, our one year anniversary, which is just crazy to think about, um, you know, that we, we've uh, the, the year has totally flown by. And, and a year later, here we are from the start of COVID March is coming up on us a lot quicker, you know, than uh, I think we all anticipated. But here we are. Just crazy journey, man. Time has flown. I'm having so much fun. And uh, I hope you guys are too. We got a pretty, uh, we got an awesome interview already booked to go live for the one year anniversary. An NHL goalie coach, um, and, and I know you guys are gonna love it. But today, I have an old friend of mine on the show, and uh, someone who's who's uh, very heavily involved in the recruiting side of the goaltending business. The vice president of import sports management, Adrian Soon, and ISM has been one of the fastest growing agencies in North America, uh, facilitating players from minor hockey all the way to pro. Uh, all the way into the uh, the AHL and, uh, and and across Europe as well. And this week's conversation, we we dive into all the things recruiting, uh, you know, all things uh, recruiting, including you know what you should be doing on the recruiting side of things going into the spring recruiting season, how you can stand out more from minor hockey all the way to pro, what exactly separates different goalies at different levels, and some recruiting hacks to help level the playing field this spring for you guys. And Adrian is a great guy. Uh, you know, he's had his ear to the floor with what's going on in particular for goalies on the recruiting side of things during COVID. Um, and we, we share some insight onto what, what to expect going forward and how to kind of work your way around all of the mess going on. Um, and I know, I know today we'll just provide a ton of clarity. So make sure to stick around all the way to the end of the show to get, uh, to get all the details on the recruiting side of the game. But next shout out to our monthly league NTX winners. And we have an absolutely lights out new high score. From our uh, one of our group leaders, Simon Beaudry, scoring a massive lights out home run this month with a 4.45, which is just insane. Um, and I think the next best score was like 3.75 or something like that. And I think Simon actually pulled off like uh, something in the three eights or something like that. Um, but congrats, Simon, uh, killing it, dude. Only a few months in, and the guy's absolutely flying, amazing man, well deserved. Um, and shout out to our most improved this month, Matt Lauren, improving 53%. And Matt has been working hard and has been committed to, you know, the process. And, you know, I'm super proud of, of your hard work, buddy, and, and keep up all the effort. And let's just stick with, you know, let's stick with everything, not just the NTX, um, but with all our training during the shutdown. And as of right now, we'll be initiating a new award in the group for the most consistent. And I will be developing the parameters on how to determine a winner this month and, and going forward. So stick around. Uh, for that but congrats to all our winners congrats to our runner-ups and shout out to the rest of the group who is truly pushing the limits 
And I think that with with Simon's score, it doesn't do justice to the hard work, the quality of work, you know, uh, that that everybody else in the group puts in. So uh, big shout out to everyone sticking with it and, and putting up amazing scores and improving month by month. Let's just stick with it, guys. So if you're interested in joining our clan and getting started today uh, with over 65 plus clinical case studies done on the product, the NTX is the most scientifically proven high performance neurovisual training tool on the market right now. Proven to help elevate your game and increase your performance on the ice. And if you're interested in getting an edge where most people really aren't looking right now to elevate your game, then just head to the link in the episode description to get an exclusive discount and get full details on what the software can do for you and how to get started today. So uh, without further ado, let's jump into this week's conversation. I know you're going to love the chat Adrian and I had today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Goalie Hacks podcast. And today on the show... I have an old friend of mine and someone who has, uh, you know, really been making a name for himself on the players uh, agency side of the business, the vice president of import sports management, Adrian Soon. And after receiving his player license a few years ago is his agent license. Uh, Adrian decided to found ISM with his partner, Cody. And since then, their business has been exploding, having now represented both players and goalies from the CHL to the NCAA top junior elite leagues in Europe. As well, the e, as well as the ECHL and AHL. And he's also spent the last several years playing minor pro in the Swedish Pro League. And uh, I couldn't be happier to have him on the show today to talk about the recruiting side of the goaltending business. Suni, how you doing, man? Thank you for coming on the show, buddy. Oh, thanks for having me, Mike. I'm doing, doing okay, all things considered. Yeah, yeah, no kidding, man. Well, great to have you on. I know we've been uh, trying to get you in for a while to record. And, and, you know, honestly, I've been kind of looking forward to this episode given the obviously the current state of the hockey market with COVID and everything. And I think just, uh, you know, today we'll provide a ton of clarity and, and perspective on kind of what's been going on, what's going to happen and, you know, how everyone can sort of avoid any pitfalls going forward, given the circumstances. But, um, you know, how has sort of everything been for you during COVID so far? I know you were, you were recently overseas. Are you still there now? Uh, well, I decided to come back home a few months ago. Um, you know, obviously with the, the COVID situation kind of fluctuating in that spring, spring to fall time, hoping that hockey season would continue over there. Um, you know, it didn't, it didn't go as planned in that sense, you know, COVID obviously spread around the world pretty quick. So yeah. I came back home in, in, in November, uh, got a couple, a couple games in before I'd left, but came home to, to really focus on, you know, my own health and safety, being at home with, with my family and, and kind of focusing on, on the business. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's, you know, otherwise, I think, you know, it's a trying time for everyone. We just got to do our best to, to kind of weather the storm right now. Yeah. How have things been with, with your clients? It's, you know, has it been sort of hard weather in that storm trying to get everybody situated or what? Yeah, I would say it's definitely been a more challenging time this 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 time around. I mean, on a usual year, there's always more players and jobs. Um, and it, it, that's pretty much the case even more so this year with a ton of teams folding or, or a ton of leagues stopping play. Um, right. Luckily, most of our guys have, have, have landed on their feet, you know, either with a, with a job in Europe or a job locally, you know, even for some, you know, they've looked on to attending school instead of, of, of trying to play the year out. So it, it's we, we've done a good job of trying to tackle that for sure. Yeah, well, you know, I wish you guys the best of luck. Obviously, it's it's kind of a, you know, all all messed up. Everything's all messed up, but that's why we got you on here today to kind of talk about, you know, how can everybody can sort of navigate that, right? But I just kind of want to start out, you know, dive right in here. Maybe you could just start off by sharing your brief story and how we, we sort of got to where we are today. For sure. Um, I mean, grew up very close to you, you know, playing in the same hockey leagues and uh, as you at, at a young age in the GTHL and obviously it's a pretty hockey dense market growing here. And I think, um, 
you know, there's so many things going on from, you know, different tournaments of what to, what teams are the best ones to play for. And, you know, I think it, it, it's kind of a little bit overwhelming for at a young age. So I think my parents did a great job at, at, at kind of guiding me the right way and, and encouraging me to stay in the sport. Um, right. You know, f- from there, you know, my, my hockey chapter ha- had kind of closed in, in junior hockey, you know, and that's something we'll, we'll talk about a little later, I'm sure, um, about how tough it is in the junior market for, for, for goaltenders or, or even for, for hockey players in general to find, find a spot to play. Yeah. Um, and I kind of thought that that chapter had closed. I kind of, you know, moved on from hockey, focused on school and, 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 and kind of tried to steer my path and, you know, I had an opportunity to go overseas and kind of have it do a little bit of a revival um of a of a hockey stint and you know i i'm super grateful for the opportunity to go overseas it it's such a great you know learning experience for myself and kind of led to you know going into the agent business um yeah so you know from there you know growing up i never had an advisor i wasn't really sure what to expect so i was pretty green going into it um so i i had an agent through through another hockey player that had had introduced me but i didn't really find much research so i kind of you know, went down that path with him and, you know, ended up being a pretty rough experience on the agent side of things. Right. Um, and at that time, that's when I started doing my own research to kind of learn, you know, learn, teach myself, you know, what I need to know. If I'm going to play over here, if I'm going to play anywhere, what do I need to know um, to kind of protect myself? Exactly. And from that, you know, a lot of other players um, were kind of in that same position. Um, so that gave me, you know, the opportunity to say, "Hey, I've done all this research. I should use it to help some some of my friends and some of the other players that had reached out about my experiences being overseas." And that's kind of when I stumbled upon uh, my partner Cody Dre. Um, he was actually trying to recruit me as a client at the time because, you know, he was fairly fresh into into the recruiting game at that point. Um, but he was really looking to try to improve the services that were available to players of of my caliber at the time. Yeah. Um, and there wasn't a lot being done. So me and Cody came together and, and just decided to, you know, let's, you know, started what started small kind of grew over time and we would, you know, do our best job to, to, to be the most aware of the, the situation in hockey and the opportunities that exist. Um, yeah. So from, from that, you know, from my own, from learning from, you know, doing the research for my own, it kind of led to me being more involved in the behind the scenes part of aside from playing, you know, aside from, um, you know, just going to hockey practice training, was getting into more of the business side standpoint of hockey. Um, mm-hmm. So it kind of, you know, was it gave me the ability to watch hockey all over the world, um, all levels from youth hockey, junior hockey, professional all over to really have a, a, a bigger picture of, of, of the sport. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, obviously I'm a big believer in strong recruiting. Anybody who kind of listens to the show or, or listens to any of my content. And, you know, I think a lot of kids and fa- families, you know, dramatically underestimate you know how much work you need to do on the recruiting side of things to to sort of find a good fit a good situation is what we call it right so maybe you can just start off by telling us you know why recruiting work is so important and and how how it can often affect the outcome of your career yeah i think i think it's important to do your research so that you can navigate the landscape of 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 a sport in general um you know help help make decisions so you can out, you know weigh the pros and cons to kind of make those decisions which you know can lead to new opportunities uh, and realistically like in, in anything knowledge you know knowledge the more knowledge the more power in that sense to, to make smarter and better decisions so for i think for for young kids and families of course the dream of playing in the nhl is 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 a big one for a lot of hockey players but i think it comes down to how to make those steps um yeah so you know for 
for a big thing, it could lead to a shift in, you know, maturity development of a, of a, of a hockey player that's, you know, choosing to stay home and where he can be close to his family, where others might benefit from, you know, being further away um, and kind of spread their wings and kind of grow up a little bit more that way. But I think it just comes down to doing your homework on, you know, if you are to hire an advisor, do your research, have tons of conversations, speak to, you know, references and things like that so that you can make the right decision. If you're going to have an advisor that can help navigate that path with you, you know, if you, if you chose not to, you know, as, as a, as a parent, I think it's tough to stay the right amount involved. You know, I think there's under involved and there's over involved. I think you have to stay in the middle where of course you want the best for your kid, but you also have to think of, you know, his friendships and his relationships that it would affect if you're, you know, a little mm-hmm. bit too aggressive. So I think from the recruiting standpoint, you know, either it's going to be, you're going to, you know, you're looking for a triple A team or a junior A team for your, for your son or daughter. I think it's important to, you know, do the same when you're, you're going to look at the transition from the OHL to the pro market. I think the same similar questions come up. So, yeah. So, you know, you talk about kind of due diligence, right? Doing the work, doing the research, you did it yourself. And then you kind of, you know, wanted to pass that on to people. For sure. Maybe you can kind of just detail briefly what that looks like. Are you looking at the goalie situation? What do you, what, when you see it, what are you thinking? The coaches, like what kind of due diligence are you doing? What does that look like? So to, to start off, you know, we were looking into a player that's interested in coming with us or we're interested in them. I think, you know, a big thing is, you know, going through video and speaking with coaches and teammates. And from there, as an as an advisor, as an agent, you know, we can kind of piece together what are their good habits? You know, what are their work ethics like? What is, you know, how do they cooperate with the team? Um you know, I think from from that is kind of the basis of where we can, you know, offer our services, offer our help um, for for goalies and specific, goalies in general. I think that's something that coaches are looking for too. They're going to look at a kid's work ethic. They're going to look how he interacts with kids um, that are on his team or at school. Um, and kind of want to see his good and bad habits if he's, you know, he's actually putting in the work. Yeah, and I guess I, I, I'm curious about, you know fast tracking to let's say you're doing business with with somebody with a goalie you know when you're looking at a specifically the goalie situation and trying to find a good fit for a player from a, a from a development standpoint from a from a, a minute standpoint games played standpoint you know what's what's kind of the ideal situation that you're looking for for somebody to go into to be able to kind of prove themselves and earn minutes yeah and i think that's that's a key point you know i think you have to be open to the opportunities either that be a lower level or a different area of the world is where you're going to play yeah right i think playing well is important but if you're not getting the opportunity to play well it, it doesn't quite matter so when we approach that with with young goaltenders you know we always try to have uh, kind of broaden the scope where they might be you know very um intent on playing for that one club in that one area in that one league right. but sometimes that's not the best fit you might have you know two OA goalies that are studs that you know there's no opportunity for for you to step in and, and, and to show what you what you're doing um exactly i think taking every opportunity that you that comes across you know either that be an ap situation as a as a 15 16 year old goalie even 17 year old playing midget um is important too you know it gets kind of your foot in the door to kind of get, get that you know rapport with the team and build up your reputation mm. and and i think that's kind of the, the deciding factor and realistically when you do get the net you know play well in in and i guess obviously that comes from preparation before but you know just get in there and play well and and, and make sure that you're, you're making your statement when you do get the shot yeah yeah so i know you deal with players you know from minor hawker all the way up but i want to get your opinion and just kind of move from level to level and, you know, dive deep into sort of the recruiting tactics and, and, you know, expectations also at each level. We talk about playing well, right? Showing up when you get your opportunity. But then, 
you know, later we'll dive into some COVID stuff and how everybody can handle it. But I just want to start out with some general recruiting stuff from the bottom up. And we have a lot of goalies, you know, listening on here who are actually double A goalies or A goalies looking to make that jump to triple A hockey. So in your opinion, what, what sort of separates, you know, a triple A goalie from a from an A or double A goalie? I think it comes down a big part will come down to work ethic um, and drive, you know, and, and obviously those are those are pretty broad things. But, you know, I think when it comes down to it, you know, for example, having you know, when the players are skating, you can see already which goalies are you know working on their own things instead of just standing there, you know, looking around. Um, and I think that's the big difference is utilizing every single piece of ice time. I mean, during the hockey season for for especially for minor hockey players, not a lot of time is put into the development of goalies. Yeah, it's put in mostly team practice and breaking down, you know, team tactics and working on individual player skills, you know, shooting and skating and passing and breakouts. But when it comes down to the goalie, you kind of get left out. So utilizing all that time you do get on the ice with the team is important. You know, even if that's five, 10 minutes to work on, you know, work on some edge work, work on some safe selection stuff before or after practice, I think is is a big difference maker between a double A and triple A. Um, yeah. Obviously, you know, like anything, there's there's some other factors, you know, as we know, with height or um you know, skill, you know, some kids are going to be more ahead than others, but as long as you're, you're, you're putting in the work to, to improve your game every time you get on the ice, I think eventually you'll get to where, you know, you want to be. Yeah. And I guess for goalies looking to make that jump to, you know, uh, either double A or triple A, what should parents and kids be, be going out and kind of doing on the recruiting side to try and find an opportunity at that level? Should they be reaching out to coaches? What should they be saying? You know, what, uh, fill us in. I think, I think the best place to start would be a, a good goalie coach because a good goalie coach will be pretty well connected with somewhat making those introductions from goalies he's had in the past or coaches he's connected with and can serve as a great reference because you know of course you know a parent's gonna say that their kid's you know a good goalie but they're gonna want to hear it from someone else whether that be that kid's coach or or his goalie coach right. um i think being proactive with that is important you know don't wait don't assume i think it'd be good to ask questions and keep open dialogue with your, their current coach or coaches at the next level um, and I think that's something that whether you're at the minor pro le- minor minor hockey level or the professional level, something you want to you got to know. You kind of have to read the signs. Um, I think it's also important to have players involved, you know, at a certain age more with those conversations. Obviously, you know, at 10, 12 years old, I don't expect you, you wouldn't expect a kid to you know go introduce himself to a coach, but it's a good habit to start teaching. Right. Yeah, um, for sure. You know, where you know the coach is going to take a liking to that. Shows well. It shows you have character, right? Well, exactly. And I think you know, definitely being open to you know all you know all options. You know, if that means you need to travel a little bit further um, to play it for that AAA team versus the team that's close to you, you know, kind of be be willing to make that sacrifice in in the time being. Um, I would say an advisor helps at can help with that, help facilitate that. I mean, we're in the process right now of of helping some of our guys find spots in minor hockey, whether it be in the U.S. or in Canada. Yeah. But realistically, a lot of that comes down to the parents and, you know, their their communication with other coaches. So I would say it's it's a good idea uh, to keep in touch with those coaches and to definitely, you know, use the network they've built over the years of, of, of parenting, you know, hockey players of other coaches or other teams you've played against. Now, maybe maybe you can kind of break down what that conversation looks like, like because I know. It's kind of like a sales script, right? If you say that, if you say it this way, sales are eighty percent less. If I say it this way, I close eighty percent more sales, right? Like it's the verbiage and the and the terminology. And I found with what we do, sort of in my mentorship program too, is that, and even throughout my career, that that verbiage that you use when you're contacting these coaches, you know, 
matters, right? They they want to get a good vibe. They want to know that you're 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 a good character kid, and uh, that you're just looking for an opportunity to to earn a merit based opportunity, right? So, for you, like, what what is that conversation? What should that look like for parents out there that have no idea what they should be saying? For sure, and I mean, I think the first step before that conversation is also. You know, every time you're playing against another team is an addition. Every game you play. Right. Um, so being able to build on that and have those conversations with coaches, um, you know, and don't be, you, you, I would say be straight to the point, but don't be, you know, too aggressive that it kind of scares the, the coaches away. I would say, you know, it'd be good to make the introduction, you know, you know, our son or our, our, our daughter is interested in playing for your club. You know, if the opportunity presents itself, we'd you'd love the opportunity to. And I think that's, I think that's important to to kind of build up that rapport slowly where, you know, if you're walking up right. to a coach you'd never talked to before and to talk about your, your 13 year old kid that plays triple in the GTHL and he's looking to, to, to move to a different team, even it, it's more about, you know, make, being personable and, you know, sh- being yourself and kind of showing what your family's like and what your son or daughter is about. Um, because I think that's super important. You know, some of these teams, some of these players stay together for, for years, right? They want someone that's going to be included in that group and be able to, to, to fit in. So I would say that conversation is, is really depending on the person. Um, I would just aim to be personable and friendly and, and kind of leave the door open and include, you know, their opportunity to talk, you know, at a later time when the time comes up. Yeah, it's uh, nobody owes you anything. That's kind of what I like to say in the recruiting business, right? For sure. For sure. Um, now stepping kind of up to the junior circuit, you know, uh, in your opinion, what sort of separates up major junior and tier two goalies, you know, from, from minor hockey, uh, goaltenders? I think a big part of it would be preparation, uh, preparation and maturity. I mean, I think there's a lot more stress on, on, on goalies as a, as a girl older mentally where, you right. know, you know, you're under the spotlight more, obviously the OHL being the biggest junior platform, um, comparison to like a junior A or junior B scenario, the platform's yeah. so much bigger. I think preparation and maturity would be the two big things where, you know, it's okay to have, you know, have a rough game, um, you know, not to worry about what the newspapers are saying or what some of the fans are saying on forums and, you know, what, what one teammate said to you. I think that's a big difference where you kind of have to, you know, bite that bullet. Mm. And I would say preparation. I mean, being, being, a you know, in high school, ideally, and, and trying to play junior hockey at the junior A or OHL level is already a challenge as it is. Um, but making those small adjustments so you can be able to focus on school, get a good night's rest and focus for your gameplay is where, you know, I think a lot of the guys in the OHL have kind of started to, you know, have a system in place where that benefits them. But even if, you know, even if you're a 16 year old goalie in the OJ trying to, or in tier two junior, trying to make your way into major junior, you know, at the end of the day is if you're playing well, you know, I think those teams are going to take interest. But I think the biggest difference between them would definitely be the the preparation and and the maturity of being able to battle back from bad bounces. I think that's what kind of sets them apart. Yeah, and and this is this is kind of like you know um, off script a bit, but I'm I'm just curious, you know, with with tier two, right? Everybody wants to make that jump. Everybody wants the jacket. Maybe you can just kind of break down a bit, you know what that kind of landscape looks like at the junior level. Cause there's a lot of kids trying to make that jump into junior at 16. When you and I, when you and I were that age, same thing, right? Everybody wanted the jacket. Everybody wanted to make that jump. But um, at least from what I've seen over my careers, they typically like to go with some, the older guys. Right. Mm-hmm. So maybe you can kind of just give some clarity on, you know, the landscape in junior, what it looks like, what coaches like, and, and maybe, you know, a detail how, how, you know, goalies should be process oriented and trying to make that jump to the junior A level. 
Yeah, I mean the the goalie market itself is always very competitive at at any level. I mean, we there's only there's only really two per team, right? So and there's always way more goalies than than what what there is in terms of two per team. Right. So I think I think a big thing for that would be taking taking the places where you can where you can play, right? If you know if that means playing a year in junior B until you're you know you feel prepared. And I mean, even use an example like Brett Brashu with with London. You know, he was one of the best goalies in the OHL last year. Um, and, you know, spent the, his 16 year old year playing, you know, in, in, in junior B, junior C, trying right. to work his way up to that. So that was, a, you know, a good decision on his part. So I think when it comes to that, that limbo phase of trying to, to make that jump or to, to break into the junior market, you have to consider, you know, where's the best place for me to go play and, you know, showcase myself. And for some, for some goalies that might mean prep school. I mean, I know you did prep school for, for two or three years in the U S um, and, and that serves as a good bridge where, you know, you can kind of bridge those two years or one or two years before trying to make that jump into junior eight, because at, at the end of the day, it's always going to come down to a lot of these teams like the older guys, like you said, and it just might not be a place to play. So I don't think it's a time to get discouraged. It's just a time to be a little bit more open and, and accepting of other opportunities. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess for most kids, um, you know, juniors where sort of the, the roster, you know, musical chair starts, right? Trades, cuts, you know, a lot of transactions, right? But for kids at the junior level, whether major junior or, or tier two, you know, what's some advice you have for them to sort of handle that the, the amount of transactions and movement that just go on around you at that level? I think I think being resilient and, and focusing on what your goal is, if your goal is to go play, you know, NCAA, uh, if your goal is to go play in the OHL, you know, you kind of have to ride those waves up and down. And, you know, I know it's tough, you know, I, and I think back to myself as a teenager, it's, it's tough to, to kind of decipher that. Yeah. But I think that's I think that's important. You know, if you got traded to the worst team in the league, see it as an opportunity. See it as a you know a place to go where as a goalie you know you're you're used to getting 20 shots a game and all of a sudden now you have an opportunity here to go to this team and make them better um, and accept those you know those 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 shots in a sense of, of of being able to showcase yourself once again yeah so I think you know really being focused on on what your goal is and and really focus on the why and do things with a purpose you know yeah. either that be traded to the best team in the league or the worst team in the league realize what your goals are which i think are is super important as as a kid's growing up is setting those goals of what what you want to accomplish next so that wherever you end up or wherever you get traded to or shifted around you're still able to you know get back to work play the sport you know mind the play goal the way yeah play your game and focus on that and i think that's you know important in that case yeah that's you know i, I I think nowadays and kind of putting everything on pause a bit here is the, the goaltending game is just so deep. It's, you know, I think when you and I were growing up, like there was a, there was a good handful of, you know, but now it's just the quality of goaltending is just so deep that even at the minor hockey level, even sometimes now at the double A level, you're going to end up with two goalies on a team. Right. So it's kind of becoming a standard where like, Hey, you got to learn to focus on yourself, your game. You got to learn to tune out the noise and the distractions. Right. Oh, well, exactly. Exactly. I don't think there's, you know, when it becomes too personal or emotional at that time and you get distracted by those kinds of things, I think it's an easy way to, you know, knock you off your game where you drop a couple losses and starts, you know, starts a snowball effect Yeah. where you kind of have to tune that out and focus on, on having fun and, and playing the game. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And then I guess, uh, you know, on the recruiting side for, for, for juniors in tier two, junior B, uh, major junior, how exactly does that 
process look like getting guys roster spots doing that recruiting work and then even for goalies at home and parents listening that that don't have an agent right now and are looking to to start that communication or make that jump what does that process look like uh, on the recruiting side for junior I think you know depending on on the player I think having you know having an advisor to guide that is important um, but you know if I'll give you two scenarios you know you have an advisor you know having having going through some draft prep things for for the OHL draft or the USA USHL draft is important so you can kind of hone in on what you what what's what the next standard is of you know fine you dominated at the U15 level how do you dominate at the junior level right. um, you know off ice on ice conditioning uh, things like that but you know I think it boils down to really being able to put your name out there, I think is a, is a super important thing yeah. on, on that side of things, you know, getting your name out there, showing that you're available, showing that you're willing to, to go the distance and go to those spring or summer skates. Um, yeah. And, and at the end of the day is, 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 is playing well and, and fall and backing that up. Right. Yeah. So you're saying they should be reaching out, showing interest, showing that they're on the market, looking for an opportunity, right. They should be communicating that. 100%. And like I said before, I think it's important to, to be open to all opportunities. I, I remember with myself growing up, you know, and this, this kind of comes from my parents, it was always very tough to look outside the circle, location wise, you know, yeah. with work and work and everything like that for, 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 for the family. Um, but I think it's important to kind of open that up where, you know, an opportunity might, might exist five, 10, 15 minutes out of the, you know, out of the way of where you were usually attending. So I think that's, you know, that's an important thing to, to think about as well. Yeah. And, and obviously we're on talking about junior, you know, and something I say to my guys is like, I mean, you know, I left home at 17. I haven't been home for this first time home in 11 years. Right. Um, and for me, that that kind of good fit and those those opportunities where I had a chance to continue to develop and play were not in my backyard. Right. And they weren't for you either. Right. You went to Europe. Right. There's there's the opportunity. You got to go where the opportunity is. So. Maybe you can just kind of touch on that, like being willing to, to leave home for better opportunity, because I feel like you and I are obviously from the Toronto region and, and being from here, I feel like everybody's very much in their bubble and you've gotten outside of it now too. And you realize that the, the world of hockey is so much bigger than your local market, whether you're here in Toronto or you're somewhere in the States or you're, you're somewhere else in Europe, right? Um, maybe you can kind of just touch on that of the willingness that you need to go find the right opportunity in order to move your career forward. Cause that's one thing to say, Oh yeah, I want to be comfortable. I want to be in my backyard, my parents, but I'm not going to play or I can go to, you know, like me, I went to British Columbia. Right. And I said, Hey, that's where the best opportunity is. I'm going to go there. So maybe you can just kind of touch on that a bit. Yeah. I mean, the, the hockey market itself and especially with goalies is pretty saturated in a lot of pockets all over Canada and the U S and Europe. Um, you know, being open. And, and, and I think, I think that's important to doing your research of what, where and what are good opportunities, whether that be prep school or a tier two or tier three junior league somewhere else to kind of broaden those horizons. Right. Yeah. Um, we like you said, you know, going out West was a, it was a smart decision for you where you could go and get playing time. You know, I think you have to be open to, you know, doing the research of knowing where all these leagues exist. You know, if, yeah. if it's not in Ontario, then where else, you know, every province has, you know, the, the, the levels of junior hockey um, that, that you can play, um, you know, even for in some cases for some players, I mean, you even look back in as example with Austin Matthews playing in Switzerland, you know, when he was right. coming up and even more so on that, in that case, as of right now, there's no junior hockey in Canada and the kids, some of the Canadian kids that went and decided to go down to the U S or go over to Europe and play, right. you know, it was a smart decision because, you know, even though it puts them a little bit out of their comfort zone, 
I think it, you know, it gave them the opportunity to play, which is, which is important and gives them, you know, a pretty good advantage on, on the following year. Yeah, um, yeah. I think for goalies, especially, I think it's important to, to, to be comfortable out of your comfort zone, you know, and, yeah. and especially, you know, when you think of just the on ice tactics of it, right. You know, form and technique is great until that scrambly play comes where you have to adapt and you have to adjust and just do anything to make the save. Mm. It's very similar to, you know, how it goes with, with, with taking, you know, an opportunity somewhere, right. um, which I think for some families and, and players, it's, it's tough for them to get around that at the, at the beginning, but in the end, it might end up being, you know, one of the best things they ever did for their career, you know, either going to play, you know, in the U S playing prep school or going to a prep Academy here in Canada, yeah, uh, where they're sure. going to get an education and a hockey, you know, a different, a different approach to hockey where, you know, you're on the ice two, two times a day, you're in the gym, you're studying versus, you know, maybe staying in your own backyard where you feel comfortable. Yeah. Are you, uh, obviously you're, you're in the recruiting business. Do you have any kids that are, uh, kind of associated in the new kind of up and coming prep Academy thing that's going on here? Yeah. Yeah. We have, we have, we have a few, um, a couple in the U S a few, uh, out, uh, out West, Western Canada, where I think that trend has been, has been growing exceedingly. Uh, I know that my prep hockey is becoming popular here in Ontario, but, I still think there's a little bit more improvement that could be done on the development yeah. side. Um, you know, obviously as soon as kids have the opportunity to go play junior or the OHL, they're, they're leaving, but ideally we would, would love to make it an opportunity where guys could go and play up until they're 18 and then trans yeah. transition over to, you know, either, you know, an NCAA program or a top, a top junior program. So there's definitely a growing market for that obviously it's not for everybody i mean there's there's financial obligations of that that's you make things it can kind of cro- cause a little bit of a barrier but um i think if you do have the opportunity to kind of kind of all weigh weigh the pros and cons if you have an opportunity to play prep school yeah it's going to cost a lot you have an opportunity to play you know in your own backyard for your hometown team or you have an opportunity to play you know for free at, at a different level i think it's important to kind of weigh those pros and cons so that you can kind of make the best decision yeah, and obviously I'm I went to prep, so and and I mean I had an amazing experience. I thought it was great. Um, and if you can kind of make the money work, it's good. But something that somebody actually brought to my attention about these prep and academy programs is, you know, if you're playing minor hockey, like I remember when I was, you know, APing, like you said, as a when I played AAA midget when I was 16, I was APing. You know, I'm going to school, and then my dad's picking me up. We're driving an hour up north to Orangeville, right? Playing there, driving an hour to Toronto, playing there, driving an hour to come back to you know, the goalie school. And then at the end of the year, you kind of think about all the tournaments and the money you spend on gas and travel and time and, and facilities and training. Right. And, and somebody said to me, they're like, you know, sometimes and, and oftentimes it's a lot uh, that, that spread where you're like, is this worth it is, is a lot slimmer than, than people think in terms of what they're paying right now for their minor hockey experience versus going there. So the reason I bring it up um, is just because, for, for everybody listening, this, this academy uh, kind of trend is, is up and coming. And at the same time, I'm branching out from here because I just want everybody to realize that there is an enormous amount of opportunity out there. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I agree for sure. Like think about just junior alone. Okay. Just junior alone in North America. How many leagues are there from, from OHL to tier three? How many leagues are there in North America? Well, I mean, in North America, that, that goes from the including prep school, junior, junior, A, B, C, D, realistically, uh, major junior, there's, there's 50, at least 
20, 30, 50 leagues where there's an opportunity to play. Yeah. So if you focus in and hone in on just those one or two options, it's going to, it's going to kind of, yeah. you have to stack the odds against you in a sense, give your, give yourself the best shot to, to, to play somewhere. So if you, you know, and it, it comes down to, you know, being persevering and, and being determined that, okay, fine, A, A, B and C didn't want me, but let's check out D, E and F. Yeah. And if, if you have to go down that route, um, and, but like, yeah, I do agree with what you said, you know, the prep school, academy, the prep academy route sometimes is the best. It's a one-stop shop where it's school and hockey all put blended in together. Right. You know, whereas, whereas playing minor hockey sometimes is, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot to manage if, you know, you have multiple players in the family that are going left, right, and center. Right. So. Yeah. And, and, and even with, you know, talking about the recruiting game, you kind of just, you kind of just went with it. Like, you know, some kids come to me and they're like, yeah, I reached out to this team and, and I didn't hear back and that's it. And I'm like, well, who else? Right. And we talk about all these different programs that you could apply to, you know, when I went to junior, right, like even prep school, right. I went to Avon. It was, it was a great school. I was, I was grateful for that opportunity, but the year before that opportunity wouldn't have been there like that. Cause the goalie situation wasn't like that the year before. Exactly. And and in any given year, the goalie situation in teams everywhere is completely different, right? For so sure. you need to put out enough feelers knowing that it's sort of a numbers game that like, hey, you know, I'm going to talk to like 30 different teams, 20, 20 of them are going to be like, well, whatever, five of them are going to be maybes. And then there's going to be those two or three where like you connect with the coach, you vibe with them, you can tell they're interested, they're responding quick, they like what they see, they're calling you on time all these things, right. Where you kind of feel that relationship click a little bit more. And I always say to people, if, if, if you're only literally reaching out to even just five teams, the, what are the odds of you finding that, that one, 2% good fit? Pretty well, slim. Yeah. Pretty slim considering how many goalies are in the exact, are in the exact same shoes as you. Right. You yes. know, like I said, there's only two, two per team and you know, you're coming from at, let's say at the 06 age group and from one league alone, there could be, you know, let's say, uh, 24 goalies looking, right. Yes. All looking for the same thing. Right. And all kind of you know, having different paths and roads they want to take, but that's gonna, you know, kind of saturate that area. Right. So yeah. I always say like with, with, with goalies, there's always too many goalies until there's none. And, yeah. we've see, and we've seen that, you know, in the NHL level where, you know, they go, how do you, to this day, how do you have two professional goaltenders not available and then even go down to their minors and have no one available that you have to dress as Zamboni driver or have an emergency backup stand in? <laughs> and and it's, it's the same thing with goalies, right? It's, if you're c- consistently making those touch points and those feelers and seeing what their situation is like, I don't think it's a bad thing. Um, yeah. Because it, like you said, you know, the, the opportunity for you with, with Avon wasn't there the year before, but the following year it was. So I think it's important to, to kind of do your due diligence. You kind of have to, you know, take your, your game into your own hands at a certain point mm-hmm. and, and make sure you're getting, you know, you're getting out, you're getting exposure to where you need to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, I now kind of want to dive into some college hockey, uh, but maybe you can just share, you know, what, what's, you know, what are some, some of the most common underlying themes amongst, you know, successful college goalies? Um, that you guys kind of have under your tutelage right now? Yeah, I think a big thing for for college goaltenders is is just knowing your role, right? I think yeah. it's one of those things where every kid, 
every goalie goes in there, I'm going to be the starter. I'm going to be the starter. But sometimes, yeah. you know, you're, you're not going to be able to, um, you know, for oftentimes, actually, most of the time you go in, you're going to be taking a backseat to some older guy, right? Yeah. And I think accepting that is the first step where you can accept that and focus in on your game, being a good teammate, being supportive of your other goalie partners and, and really taking the time to work on your own game and not worry about, you know, when's the next time going to get in the net? When's the next time? Because there's a good chance that time is going to come. And yeah. I think people spend too much time worried about uh, the process of getting in the net, but they don't think about the preparation. You know, as soon as that game comes, you spent all this time stressing about not playing and all of a sudden you didn't, it took away from, you know, the right. efforts you could have been making to prepare. Right. Yeah. Um, but I would say a big thing is resiliency. I mean, we have one goalie that went, went to Boston college and he, be, he played behind Thatcher Demko and, and Joseph Wall, like two of two of the top NHL prospects. I mean, you know, Demko being in the NHL currently and Wolf wait, you know, waiting his, you know, waiting his time to, to, to come up. And, you know, he didn't, he didn't get a lot of ice time, but he kept working on his game, kept, you know, in, enjoying himself, being a positive teammate, learning from them, which I think is super important, you know, learning what they do well and, and then applying it to his own game where, you know, now he's in the opportunity, he's, he's in the spot where he has the opportunity to play. So he has to make sure, you know, he's prepared all those years he spent in the wings you can kind of, you know, emerge as, you know, as a guy that can, that can take those roles. Yeah. Yeah. And when, and when considering sort of where to send guys, you know, maybe you can break down your process a bit on, on how you do your recruiting. Um, you know, if you feel comfortable, obviously sharing it and, and what exactly that conversation looks like after sort of the, the initial work of getting in touch with these coaches. Yeah. So, I mean, when, when, when there's a goalie or, you know, a hockey player that's interested, a big thing for us is, is watching video. Um, you know, talking to the coach, talking to references on, on behalf of the player, you know, a skills coach or a goalie coach or an, an off-ice coach even to kind of show what their work ethic is like, you know, as a hockey player, um, you know, get an idea of how he is as a teammate, you know, speaking with other with, with, with other teammates. Um, you know, our goal is always to be available to, to, you know, to the player to kind of so we can have those conversations so they feel comfortable, you know, having us represent them. Um, but from there, once we, let's say, once we have a player on board with us, you know, our, our first goal is, to, is kind of mapping out a path of where we see them, you know, if, if and, and taking into consideration what the player's goals are. So, you know, if their goal is to play NCAA or is it to play major junior, that way we can kind of gear that path to where it needs to go. Right. Um, so from there, you know, taking taking those references that we would have followed up on or, or, or any video and, and, and delivering that to scouts and GMs and coaches so they can kind of have just like I said before getting that exposure getting their name out there and then using that any feedback that's given and, and sharing that with the player so they can kind of work on things you know let's say you know a super talented goalie is, is, is extremely out of shape and coaches or, or, or scouts are saying that well that's something that's in your control that's something we can help change right right um, but I think I think from there it's it's more so you know you, you have to sell yourself and then our job is to kind of sell them to 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 the to the teams and to the to, to the schools to kind of be able to you know find some interest and, and kind of weigh the pros and cons of which decisions are are are, are going to be best right yeah so I guess should should people kind of be going out there same thing as junior floating their name out there to kind of open up communication with these coaches or how should that be done. Yeah, I mean, if they're gonna if they're gonna attempt to do it themselves and they want to get their their exposure out there, um, I think it's important to 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 get your name out there. There's a ton of hockey players, and you know the the, the whole saying is like, if you're good enough, they'll come find you. I think that's a little outdated. I think, I think you know so if you're too. if you're good enough, I think you have to do your due diligence to to get your exposure to get your name out there. Yeah. 
um, it's, you know, I think even, even greater. So that it doesn't mean like, Hey, I want to spawn on your team. It could be like, is there any way someone could come to my game and watch, or here's a link to the video of, of, of our live feed on, on Saturday night. So that at least there's that, that, that open door where they can, they can actually take a look, especially with the internet kind of bringing things closer and closer. You know, you could be a, you know, a top college in, 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 in New York state and be able to scout guys in, in BC without even having to, 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 to come into Canada. You, you can watch all the games online. So I think sharing, sharing the accessibility to being able to either take a look at your academics or video of you playing games. I think that's, that's probably the, one of the biggest things. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess now diving into to pro hockey in the, the AHL and ECHL pro leagues here in North America, you know, what t- typically from your experience are some of the, the common underlying characteristics that, you know, guys seem to, for the guys that seem to have success at, at the, the pro level, the minor pro level here in, in North, um, North America, typically both either physically or emotionally. I think being confident is a big thing. Um, I think you got to be confident and, and, and kind of go in there, you know, feeling capable that you're able to, to, to play at that level. Yeah. Uh, you know, and that comes along with, with following up and, 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 you know, showing up to play. I think a big part too would be riding the ups and downs. There's going to be a lot, a lot of ups and downs. And I think the players or the goaltenders that can kind of weather that are, are going to be the ones that are, are kind of ahead. Um, at yeah. the same time as, as being confident, I think, being humble and focusing on your play and not others and the transactions and who's getting what contract and what, I think that's super important too, you know? And I mean, there's, there's good examples of that. I mean, you know, there's, you know, Logan Thompson went undrafted playing the WHL and had to spend a year playing, you know, university hockey in Canada and U sports um, played a couple strung together, a couple of really good pro games and, you know, saw himself on the NHL contract. Right. Um, you know, even with, you know, a guy like Devin, Devin Levy, you know, it's not very common that a tier two goalie is playing in the world juniors for team Canada. So I think it's, I think it's all about, you know, kind of being confident that you're, you're capable to, and, and really just showing up to play. Yeah. And then, you know, you kind of mentioned the transactions and and everything that goes on. And, you know, we kind of touched on that, that that starts in junior and that even happens at at the college level, you know, just going to put that out there that, you know, uh, at UVM, I think by my senior year, we had like 32 guys on our team and then almost every year we were cutting guys. So for the guys, for the people out there that think college is a lot more forgiving, I actually think it's less forgiving in terms of transactions because I, I there's probably about 5% of kids who transfer in any given year actually have an opportunity to go play for another team and, and don't have everybody shut their door on them. But that aside, you know, for younger goalies, what's some, uh, you know, what's some advice, um, you know, for politics that, that, that they have to co- overcome and all the distraction that you're constantly faced, uh, you know, day to day, you know, on a day to day basis as a pro hockey goalie, maybe you can just enlighten everybody. Cause I know that for me, it was a big culture shock. Like when I got to pro for hockey, sure. I was like, wow, like this is, I had no idea. So maybe you can enlighten everybody. Yeah, I mean, connections and favors are always going to exist. And, you know, ideally, hockey is a business. So that that's going to be the case with with different politics. But I think you just have to be super driven, have a strong mentality to, to at the end of the day, just prove prove yourself and kind of put those in the back as, as motivation rather than being a distraction. Uh, you know, not to worry about, you know, what others are saying and, and kind of bide your time, you know, accept the role that you might be in at the moment and know that could change at, 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 at any given time. Um, I think that's a tough, I think that's one of the greatest things about being a goalie is, you know, I feel like that taught me at a young age, how to, how to battle back from feeling down and, you know, letting a bad goal and how do you rebound from that? That's the same kind of, you know, 
principle you can apply to you know right. oh i didn't get that job because so and so has connections with that well i'm going to work harder and, and and try to pursue something yeah. else so i can show that I'm, I'm more than good enough but it definitely can be a culture shock too when you when you think about it and i think about it in the advisory business is you know there's some hockey families have no idea how hockey works and then you have the opposite where a hockey family comes from a long line of nhl players and they know all the ins and outs right um I think you know educating yourself and navigating that is 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 important. So for for young goalies trying to make those decisions, I think they just need to focus on you know blocking out the noise. I think that's mm. a, a big distraction. And, and at the end of the day, if 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 you're good and you're doing the taking the right steps, you know the opportunities will come. Yeah, yeah, and I guess for goalies looking at, to make that transition to to North American Professional Pro, whether it be you know all the way up to the NHL, um, you know what's some advice you have for younger goaltenders? To make sure that they're on the right road, you know, to be considered for that level, so they're not surprised one day when it when it doesn't work out. Yeah, and and I mean the thing is, is like, and as my, and I think it's pretty. It goes without saying is that you know not every goalie, not every hockey player is going to play pro, right? Yeah. But for I sure. think you, to, in order to at least align yourself on that path to play pro, you need to kind of focus on what you can, you know, what you can control. You know your your fitness, your 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 health, your mental toughness as a goalie and as a as an athlete. Um, and at the end of the day, it really comes down to dominating dominating your level before you know yeah. looking too far ahead. Where you know if you're if you're the 11th best goalie in your league, you know I don't don't quite justify is that you deserve a next you know a chance at the next level. Yeah. You know if you dominate your level, focus on being the best. You know the opportunities will will come and. I think especially for, 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 for goalies, whether they're transitioning from junior to pro or from minor hockey to, to pro uh, to minor hockey to junior, you just gotta, you gotta have fun too. I think too many people focus on the nitty gritties and it's a business, but as a hockey player, you want to, you want to enjoy that, that process. You want to enjoy the, you know, going to camp and proving yourself and playing the sport. Yeah. 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 I feel like that's just, that's kind of a lost, you know, art, right. Of just, being able to, you know, be serious, be focused, but have fun competing that hard. And I think that's, for me, that was kind of this, my secret. It was, you know, when I was out there, I was laser focused and going. Um, but I had fun with the process of, you know, you have a failure, you be proactive about applying some things in practice, you go out there, you grit through, you work hard to get that work in, and then you get the result on the weekend when you win those games because you put that work in that's truly for me like where the fun comes from is just that being committed to that process of trying to find that next level every day right and um you know just loving to compete loving to go out there compete not having any predispositions before you before you get out there but truly loving to go out there and say you know what somebody's got to lose today the the score is not predetermined and i'm going to go out there and try and win my battles and i'm going to have fun in that process um does that kind of make sense well, even if you use that, you know, use that kind of outlook on it, you look at some of the, the, the most elite goaltenders in the world, you know, they're, they're all, they're all, you know, laser focused when it comes to playing games, but you see them smiling between whistles, you see them playing jokes on your teammates, you know, and, you know, on practice, you know, showing off, for example, that clip of Carey Price the other night, you know, making a big glove save in practice and, and kind of running with it. I think that's super important to kind of balance the the, the stresses and, and, and all the fine-tuned details you need to put into your game. And I think that's, you know, it's a super important takeaway for, for young goalies that are, are looking to make, you know, making the jump at any level is, is, is they have to, to kind of get back to that and kind of enjoy enjoy the process rather than making it a chore. 
Yeah. Yeah. And finally, in terms of leagues, I want to dive into your, you know, your vast experience dealing with pro leagues in Europe, because um, I know there's a lot of people that that listen to the show who, quite frankly, have no idea what's going on over there, the opportunity available. I know when I was young, you know, people are like, oh, you can go play in Europe when you're older and blah, blah, blah. You make great money. But then when you get older and you get to pro, you realize that like those leagues that you hear about where you make good money, it's all like ex-NHL, AHL guys. So maybe you can just kind of give an overview you know, how many leagues there are in Europe, um, you know, uh, uh, kind of a spitball number, and then maybe the top five leagues and countries, and then maybe also dive into the opportunity to play in some minor pro leagues over there, not just the elite leagues. For sure. I mean, I think hockey in Europe is very stats and, and resume driven. I mean, it's you're paying for something that's imported, realistically, and yeah. you want you want to pay, you're, you're willing to pay for a top product. So I think, you know, like you said, a lot of ex-NHLers or guys with strong backgrounds in terms of save percentage or points or, or whatnot is able to, you know, help gain a job. I would say, you know, probably the top five leagues would be, you know, the KHL, SHL, in Sweden, the DEL in Germany, the NLA in Switzerland, uh, the Liga in Finland. And then yeah. from those leagues kind of stemmed down um, at least anywhere from two to five minor pro leagues that you can call. Uh, each country has you know different rules on imports. Um, I think there's a lot of cool opportunities for young guys out of school or uh, guys that are looking to have an experience. And it doesn't always necessarily mean that's going to be a big paycheck, right? And the way I always try to help. Maybe, maybe you can touch on that a bit too. Like for sure. Dive into typical pay at each level too. Cause I know people love to hear that and it's very unknown. For sure. You and I have gone through it. We know the grind. <laughs> for sure. And, and just like, just like hockey in North America from the SPHL, the East coast, the American league, the NHL, there's certain tiers of levels. Um, the, the five leagues I listed earlier are probably the, the top elite you know, yeah. which would at least require NHL or top American league experience, yeah. you know, and that comes with the similar, similar salaries, right. It comes with, you know, the 60 K starting point and goes all the way up to, you know, the millions, right. Wow. When you, when you trickle down to some of the third or fourth or fifth leagues in Europe, you know, some of them are, are unpaid opportunities realistically. Yeah. And it could be a situation where, you know, you're, you're, you're only having your, your, your food and your housing and your gear covered, to, you know, maybe some pocket cash. Um, I think there's way too many leagues to go through each in terms of what's, uh, how much is made. But I think the, I think it should, the focus should be less on money. If you're already a professional athlete and you're making money, taking right. your talent to Europe is, is a very easy transition. If mm -hmm. you're a guy that's going from, from college as an amateur athlete and looking to break into pro, that could be your first step into to, to being a professional athlete. Yeah. But for, for a lot of players, I think they need to do the research and kind of compare themselves with, you know, what kind of players exist in these leagues if there's other imports, right? And that's a good starting point. You know, if you look up, if you want to go play in, in, in Sweden and you want to play in the Alsvenskan and you see that they're, they're, they're best, the best goalie in the league that's from Canada, you know, played in the AHL for, for, for 10 years and played major junior, well, that kind of goes back to the path that we talked about earlier of kind of gravitating of where those options could come from. Um, you know, if your your best experience is, is is junior A, you know, be be humble in the sense of you know you're not going to go and beat a guy out that's you know played in the NHL, right? Yeah. Um, you know, and there's even some there's even some cool other experiences over there. I know, like for example, a coach reached out from Finland in the third league, um, which is pretty decent hockey. You know, they they have a, a a big university there where they're more than open to bring you know 
Canadian or American players to come over and play, attend the school and, and be involved in a minor pro situation where the, the club will cover, you know, their food, give them, give them a salary, get them their gear, pay for their apartment while being able to, you know, continue at your education. Right. But I think the lower leagues, what it really comes down to is, is taking it all in and enjoying the experience, you know, being able to play outside of your home country and, and learn a new culture, learn a new language and, and kind of soaking that all in. It's not always the experience in Europe is always going to be monetary. I think, you know, obviously guys that are leaving the NHL or the HL can go over and, and kind of either start or end their career there. Could be, a you know, for right now, it could be a temporary thing yeah. given a situation in the world. But, you know, for some players, it might be the perfect kind of segue from them of, of, of exploring a new place. Yeah. And I guess for goalies that, that are making a, you know, uh, and there's actually been parents that have approached me, very young kids, and, and, you know, they want to make that transition over to Europe someday. So, you know, what's the best course of action and, and what's sort of the process everyone can follow or implement to, to get more European exposure, you know, get in touch with coaches, find an opportunity. I, I from my understanding, Europe is pretty, uh, it's a pretty agent advisor dominant market. So uh, from my understanding, there's actually teams that pay agents to find good players. Maybe you can kind of just detail that. Yeah, I think I think that comes back to, you know, kind of carving that path of if European hockey is the goal, playing professional European pro, pro um, hockey in Europe is something that has to start, you know, at, at a young age of, of following the opportunities that, that present themselves, playing in the OHL, playing junior, going to college, playing minor pro in the US, um, and then kind of extending to see if those opportunities exist overseas. I think there's a lot, there's, there is a ton of agents from, from all over Europe um, that, of course, are always looking for, for good players for teams. I think doing your homework on the city, the club, um, the agent himself, and I think that's the best way to be able to make a wise decision with going over to Europe because there's a lot of unknowns in there. And that's kind of why, you know, you know in my sense of how I got into it, I didn't know enough before I went over. Right. Um, I think, you know, obviously having junior or college, uh, top junior or top college is a minimum to at least go to those mid-level leagues. You know, if you're looking to go to the higher leagues, realistically, I would focus on playing in North America first, you know, trying to play a season or two in the American League or the East Coast, or, you know, even if you had the opportunities to, to spend that, that, that development time in the, in the NHL or the AHL where you could go over and, and fetch top, top dollar. Um, yeah. I think another great thing for, you know, us being in Canada, there's tons of diversity, you know, re using the resources. If you have routes to Italy or Germany, I think getting those passports can also be advantageous. It doesn't necessarily, um, you know, provide an opportunity right away, but it could open doors that only exist because you have a passport. You know, right. for example, um, there's a bunch of, you know, pro goalies that I've met over the last few years that have German passports where they spent their time playing in the OHL, spent their time in, in North American pro leagues, got their German passport. And now they've kind of seen where I can go to Germany and play for the next 10 years because I don't count as an import. And that's super advantageous for them. Um, even within that, some, for some, for some players, the best move is, is, is to go overseas and, and play their, their junior and minor hockey. Right. We have a, you know, a player that's, you know, born in, born in Mississippi, born in Toronto from here, grew up playing the GTHL and was drafted to the OHL and, you know, got his European citizenship and decided to go over to Sweden and play there where he thought the development would be better for him. Mm. So it'd be a very similar case. And, and I think it's all about doing your homework, especially if you're going to step out of your comfort zone that far, where it's not like you're just going two, three hours away. You're not, now you're going across the ocean here. Um, 
but I think for parents is, is, is to do their homework on those kinds of things, whether it be with the passport or be where they're going um, or realistically focus on the main process here first. I think having the experience here first is, is probably the best first step they could do to hopefully transitioning to play pro in Europe. Yeah. Yeah. And now that we've sort of, um, you know, worked our way through everything, something you and I spoke about prior to the call was, was obviously COVID and, uh, you know, how much that's disrupted hockey globally and, and disrupted players development, created enormous bottlenecks and sort of trickle down effect all the way from the NHL down. But sort of what's your take on, on what's transpired this year in terms of bottlenecks and roster spots and, you know, give us some uh, idea into the goalie landscape going forward for the next couple of years, I guess. Yeah, I think, you know, like I said before, I think the the supply is definitely higher than the, the, than the demand when it comes to jobs for goalies or hockey players. Um, there's always going to be more goalies in spots and COVID has kind of thrown a big wrench into that as well. I mean, you look at, you know, some of the pro leagues in Europe, we've reduced their budget. So we're unable to bring in, bring in their imports. Um, obviously in the NHL, they're, they're not, they're not willing to go outside the boundaries and, and take anyone new. They're trying to take all the guys from their draft picks um, and utilize those as best as they can, rather than bringing over, bringing, bringing up someone new. So I, I would say, right. you know, the supply and the demand is, is, is a big concern with, with hockey right now because of that. I mean, you look at, you know, the, the, the third league in North America, the East Coast, you know, only 10 of 11 teams are playing this season, right. which really puts a lot of goalies on the free market where there's different people coming in and out of the door. Um, I think what it, I think the best course of action a player can do when, when approaching this is just be prepared and, and be open-minded, you know, at some point or another, sometimes it's time to transition into, into something else, whether that be schooling or that be, you know, a full-time career. Um, but I would say stay prepared, you know, in the sense of staying in good shape, you know, spending time on, 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 on working on your game still, but also don't be afraid to look into other things like, you know, taking a little bit of a break. It might be a, a positive thing in that sense. Right. Right. And I guess going forward and you kind of just touched on it, you know, looking for uh, everybody's sort of looking for advice, right? How to get through what's transpiring right now. But what do you think is, is sort of the best mindset to have through all this? And then even physically, you know, what do you think kids should be doing? And then the best course of action to take during the recruiting season coming up in the spring? I would say I think right now it's probably a tough time for for hockey players of all ages is, is, is building that routine. You know, our, our lifestyle is a little different now where you know, for example, a 15-year-old goalie, you know, doesn't have the normal hockey practice he has, doesn't have the normal games, might not even have school at the normal times anymore. I, I would say getting on a routine to kind of keep yourself on track, just, you know, kind of simulate what you were already doing. Um, kind of work, continue working on your game on and off the ice. Um, expanding your learning. I think there's an important thing about having balance. So, you know, maybe, maybe you know, the on-ice stuff was never an issue, but maybe the off-ice you know, off ice situation was something you need to focus more on or reviewing more videos since you have more time and, and realistically, maybe even picking up a different hobby to kind of keep yourself motivated for when the time comes, you get to play. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, finally here, uh, maybe you can share with us if you don't mind, you know, one of your strongest or, or best recruiting hacks that you find works well for, for you and your clients. I think being honest and personable. Um, I think, being personable, like we, we, we spoke about with how to approach coaches or how to have those conversations. I think that's super important. Um, you know, it's great. You know, you're, you're a talented hockey player, but on top of that, I think that personality and that, that communication is going to go a long way 
you know, and that can be applied from the recruiting business on, on my end, or that can be applied as a player. You know, everyone's going to want that player. That's a, a solid hockey player. That's a good kid and sociable. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that's probably one of the biggest hacks is, is, is remaining, you know, personable and sociable with people. Yeah. I feel like that's kind of an underrated, um, you know, an underrated thing that's talked about in the recruiting game is that the recruiting game is, is, is people game, right? Exactly. You know, you, you, you're going to, you got to build relationships with people. They got to like you enough, believe in you enough to give you an opportunity to come think that you're going to gel with the team fit in. Right. It, it, you know, and, and I love that you said personable because it really is like within five minutes coach within three sentences, coaches can tell what kind of kid you are. Right. For sure. If you call and you're like, Hey coach, my name's so-and-so I played here last year. I'm a goalie. You know, I was wondering if you had a minute to chat you know, oh, I'm just I, I'm I'm calling to to see what your goalie situation is like this year. Um, you know, I was wondering if you had a few minutes to chat. You talk about it and you say, well, I'm just looking for a merit based opportunity compared to, right? Like that all happens within a minute, right? Mm-hmm. You call the coach, you don't even really know the guy, right? But if you call the guy and say, hey, coach, I'm looking for a spot on your team. Was wondering if there's any spots. You know, like <laughs> you, you know exactly verbiage that you use if you're not personable like guys just gonna hang up or he's gonna say sorry or you're never gonna hear from him again so the relationship building when it comes to recruiting you even mentioned it earlier is you actually have to be you know you got to be careful right because you send one bad text one bad email you turn one person off you won't hear from them again they just that's it right oh exactly so uh love that you said that man love that you said that i think that is a huge hack but uh you know sooner you have any last words of advice for everyone listening you feel uh, passionate about sharing yeah, I would say, you know, well, whatever level you're at is, you know, make a plan, you know, make a plan of, of where you want to go, you know, stick to it and, and, and enjoy that process. You know, when you get the opportunity, in my opinion, to play the greatest sport in the world, you, you want to be able to enjoy, you know, enjoy the moment um, of, of, of that comp- of competition, of, of, of teamwork, of, you know, the, the mini sticks in the hallways, you know, that time goes by so fast. Um, and I think if you're not focused on, you know, having fun at the, at the forefront, you know, it's, it's going to become, like I said, more of a, more of a chore than, than anything. So at any level, you know, being at the, you know, having the opportunity, opportunity to kind of do what you love, um, I think is the best, the best thing you can do, especially because all those things that, you know, we learn in sport is something that can be applied to the real world. So, you know, definitely, you know, find, find yourself a plan, find yourself a good advisor, you know, make a, make a good plan and, and stick to it. Yeah. Unreal, man. Unreal agent. Thank you for coming on the show, buddy. Always love. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Digging deep into the recruiting side of goaltending, as I mentioned, just such an important part of, of getting to the next level and setting yourself up for success, right? Doing that work, understanding where you're going, what the opportunity looks like. Are you going to have an opportunity to compete for minutes, right? And and I just know that, that everyone listening always loves hearing the side and, and tips and tricks on how to get there and, and how to handle it. So appreciate you coming on, dropping some knowledge here today. But can you just let everyone know where they get in touch with you online? Yeah. So on Instagram, you can find us at importsports.ca. Um, that's the same as our website. Um, you can reach me by email, info at importsports.ca or on Twitter at ism underscore hockey. So go check out Adrian soon with Import Sports Management. They continue to build one of the fastest growing hockey agencies in the business and uh, to date have helped secure over $3.5 million for clients and over half a million dollars in scholarship money for clients as well. So, Adrian, grateful for you coming on, buddy. You take care, stay safe, and we'll chat soon, man. Appreciate it. Take it easy, Mike. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode, guys. If you like what you heard today, make sure to hit 
that subscribe button as we have tons of amazing guests lined up ready to come on to the show in the next few months. And make sure to tune in next week and every Tuesday from now on at 8 a.m. As next week, I have Pete Fry, the goalie mindset guy, coming on the show. And uh, Pete just has an incredibly long and extensive background uh, playing and also working with goaltenders uh, uh, at the next level on their mental performance all the way up to the NHL. You know, he, him and Ingle have a, a pretty big partnership. I've seen his stuff everywhere. I love the guy. I reached out to him. He was fired up to come on. I'm fired up to come on. And I uh, can't tell you how pumped I am to have him on, really, as, as I know this conversation is just going to be absolutely fire. So, you guys, uh, make sure to tune back next week. You will not want to miss this episode. Without further ado, here are the giveaway details for our monthly giveaway we do for the Goalie Hacks podcast. And just as a note here, if you enter into this giveaway, even if you don't win, uh, we select four winners a month, and, and that includes books, uh, different products, training products, uh, neuro tracker subscriptions. We give away all sorts of things. We pick four people a month. And even if you don't win... Uh, one month, you're always entered into uh, the, the future the future giveaway. So to enter the giveaway, if you're an Apple user, simply go to the Apple Podcast app on your phone and leave us a written review and rating. And if you're an Android user, you can also download iTunes onto your computer and leave a review and rating on there as well. And once you leave a review of the podcast, just take a screenshot of it and either email it to goaliehacks at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram with your screenshot and your full name. Get excited, guys. Great things ahead. I hope you guys enjoyed today's show, and I'll see you next week.